Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. John Gibbons is going to get in the Christmas spirit for us now in his weekly environment spot. And he is going to talk about the best environmentally friendly Christmas gifts that he can recommend. Although I do see, looking at my notes, that the first thing you want to recommend is reducing the number of gifts. Bah humbug, John. Good evening, Matt. Yeah, I guess this is a a bit of a Christmas uh, theme, all right. Uh, Essentially, I guess probably from the start of November until really until next week, we're being bombarded with buy stuff, buy more stuff, buy more stuff. Uh, And obviously that's coming from a particular direction. I think if we want to get back to what we might call the spirit of Christmas, well, then I think that's really more about uh, families getting together, children having a good time and so on. And I think particularly uh, in a a time of straightened economic circumstances for a lot of people, uh, what we don't want want a situation is where people are basically dreading January, dreading the credit card bill, Matt, dropping, dropping on in no, the post box in point. January. So, so it isn't really so much about humbug. It's rather about saying, well, what do we need? What, what are the key ingredients for, for a good Christmas, for a good break? And, and what do we really, really need? And I, and I think I made the same point around about this time last year. Probably the, the, the the thing we want to do the most is to really try and eliminate, try and avoid uh, kind of throw away electronic tat in particular. This is stuff that's got circuits in it, it's got batteries in it. These things, they, 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 they're far too cheap. They're, they're everywhere. And generally speaking, by New Year's Day, they're at the bottom of a drawer someplace. And really, the resources involved in it, the, the, the emissions involved, the, the general pulling and dragging of these, uh, it's a terrible, terrible waste all around. And so also, I suppose what you're really saying is, Think carefully before you buy. I think so, yeah. And I deliberately didn't exclude all electronica on my list this but year. But you must have hated our tech show this year, the gadget show, the two hours of it. Well, you see, I'm very conflicted because anybody who knows me from, from of old, I like my gadgets. But I think the key thing about the gadgets is not to, to like them, to enjoy them, to use them, but not to be addicted to them, by which I mean uh, that we end up basically cycling through them way faster than we need to. And I will hopefully come to that match shortly with a little advice on, on how, to, how to prolong, if you like, well, our well, experience. Actually, no, yeah. Let's just jump to that, because yeah. you do like the idea of using second-hand phones. You yeah. have an iPhone yourself. That's right. I, I finally succumbed to the, to the, well, first of all, my, my previous iPhone which I'd had for about four years, the battery, whether it was done by Apple or whether it was otherwise, the battery was knackered. It just got hopeless. And I was persuaded that it was worth jumping. I think that's what they call planned obsolescence. I have a feeling it? it is, Matt, because in fact, I even I even spent 60 quid to replace the battery and it was no better. So I've got a yeah. feeling that phone was hobbled. Anyway, so I took the jump. But again, I didn't want to... to uh, buy a new phone, which again puts, puts more pressure on the supply chain. So I went to a company called Refurbed.ie. They're available online. There's a couple of them. One is called Swappy.ie. The other is Refurbed. And basically I bought, I think it was an iPhone 13 uh, there for probably, I don't know, maybe 300 quid below the, the list price. Now with that, you get the box, you get a guarantee, a 12-month guarantee. So it's all, all, all bells, right? Now, the, the phone itself... Absolutely delighted, no complaints, and it has the same warranty. But the key thing here, Matt, is that a lot of us are ending up chucking these devices into the bottom of drawers after 12 months, moving on the contract. We're being shuffled on to the next thing. So I think it's a fantastic idea that services like Refurb.ie and Swappy.ie are putting it out there. Look, there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of life left, there's a lot of value left in but, these devices. And also, if you are buying a phone for a child or a teenager... It strikes me that it doesn't make sense to be spending a fortune on the most up-to-date phone that you should give them 
a second-hand phone, particularly as they're almost guaranteed to break the screen on it very quickly. I think that's a fair point. And also, there, there's a lot of devices swishing around. And I think the key thing here, really, for all of us is to resist the lure by the, by the phone companies and, of course, by the companies selling, the, selling the, the, the airtime to keep upgrading and to keep getting pulled into expensive contracts. We need to also watch it because you can be absolutely drained out, not just your battery, you can also be drained out of your credit card with the cost of these, not just the buying the phones, but also very expensive locked-in contracts. Well, moving away from the phones, and as I said, they are things that children look for their parents to give them at Christmas as well. But what about toys? Because I think you would worry about an awful lot of toys. It's a combination of things like plastic that they're made out of, but also with embedded electronics and batteries as well for a lot of the modern toys. That's right. And, and toys, believe it or not, are actually a really, on a global level, are a really substantial user of uh, both what's called virgin plastic, in other words, uh, original petrochemical plastic, and also, as you say, embedded electronics. And what this essentially means is they're unrecoverable. They're lost to landfill. And it's a terrible waste. If you go into some of the large box stores, which we won't mention by name, basically you would struggle to find uh, a toy that isn't made of, of, of basically throwaway plastic. In fact, the, the, the owner of the, the company that... Uh, I thought is doing a really good job on this. It's a company called Jiminy and it was founded by a woman called Sharon Keelty. And actually I watched a video where she described uh, her, her process and she said she went for one of her relatives into one of the big box stores. She wanted to buy a toy. She walked up, she walked down, she couldn't find it. And she came out and thought, you know what, there has to be a market for people who want to buy something nice for, for a kid, but who do not want to engage in this type of, of so this plastic, like throwaway sort of junk. And that was the market that she established, or at least that she identified. And the company, as I said, is called uh, Jiminy.ie. Uh, they, all the stuff that they sell, uh, toys, books, craft materials, it's made of either wood or 100% recovered or recycled plastics, including what are called bioplastics. You can basically make plastic from things other than petrochemicals. And also, Matt, just on the same subject and the same theme, uh, there are plenty of opportunities to buy good quality secondhand toys on uh, services like adverts.ie, uh, Facebook as well. I'm not a Facebook person but uh, my, my Twitter people tell me that there's a good uh, second use service on Facebook. Okay, let's move to other things as well that we have on the list. Mobility is something you want to talk about. Mobility gifts. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think we can all agree that the e-bike, the e-scooter, they're here to stay. We, we again, we talk... Are they? I'm not sure the e-scooter is. <laughs> I, well, I think, I think they are. I think all that's missing... They might that, be a passing fad because there's going to be legislation, I think, to limit and an awful lot of people are getting... They spot them for being dangerous and also are very concerned about where they're used. You know, if you go on the footpath, they're a danger to pedestrians. If they go onto the road, they're a danger to themselves and to motorists. Yeah, and I guess... I, these are things we've talked about before. In an ideal situation, we would have a lot more protected spaces, a lot more uh, protected cycle lanes, which, of course, could also be used by, by scooters. And that's the right place for them. But I do believe, if you'll pardon the pun, this is the direction of travel. We see it in, in other cities like Paris. We see it in, in continental cities. Uh, light, uh, electrically supported mobility devices are the, are the way to basically pedestrianise our city centres. They, they're the perfect complement. So why are you suggesting the electrically supported one? Why not just a commoner gardener bicycle rather than something that you have to plug in to charge up? Well, the thing about, I suppose, the bike is that 
the bicycle or the e-bike has really it's extended the use of bikes. I mean, probably I'm sure we all we all cycle to school or cycle to college back in the day. But you get past a certain age and you go, oh, I don't want to cycle. It's it's you know it's too much effort. It's I don't like arriving to work sweaty, etc. The e-bike essentially levels out the hills and it means that you can do that longer spin, whether it's a commute, run to college, whatever, without without really breaking a heavy sweat. So from that point of view, it is it is the perfect complement. I think uh, somebody described the, the bicycle, the original bicycle, as the most efficient machine ever invented by man. It is it's the only machine that can convert human energy into greater than, than you can do on foot. I suppose the problem is, and you and I have discussed on this programme before, safe cycling. And we even started the programme at half four tonight talking about uh, the controversy with the very small number of fines issued to motorists who've overtaken bikes far too closely. I mean, there's supposed to be one and a half metre limit. But with three times as many cars on the road over the last 30 years, it just seems that a lot of people would be anxious about, for example, buying bikes for their children for Christmas because they simply won't find it safe to allow their children out on the road. I completely agree. And that's been my experience. And I, and I did hear the segment earlier and I, I would really strongly concur. And I, again, I mentioned this previously, Matt, that the time that my, my kids really, really got to cycle yeah. for the first time in, the, in their teenage lives was during lockdown. In the early months of lockdown, they cycled everywhere and they loved it. They loved the freedom and everything about it. And as soon as lockdown eased and the, the, the roads are thronged with cars again, they basically, without ever discussing it with us, I noticed the bikes back in the, back in the shed and they haven't been out since. So we have to, this is about infrastructure first, build it and they will come. The problem, of course, here is that we're doing it the other way around. We're saying, well, why don't cyclists wear more high vis? Why don't, why don't cyclists, you know, stop running red lights? What we need is safe infrastructure. And you'll remember, Matt, recently I flagged that in Holland, it's the motorists who want the cyclists uh, to, 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 to be in their own lanes. Okay, let's move on to other things as well. Actually, listener says, no problem with recycled plastic toys for children. I wish they were more available, as is something I would buy. However, I don't like wood toys as they're difficult to clean and can harbour all sorts of bacteria. As a listener. Yeah, I mean, I guess everything everything has its upsides and its downsides. I suppose the, the key thing about wood, obviously, is that unlike plastic, it's, it's, you, it's not a petrochemical derivative. And of course, when you use wood, when you cut down a tree and you use wood for long term, uh, whether it's furniture or house building or toys, you're locking that carbon away basically for the long, the long haul. And that's why they're worth it. But I generally find a, a wipe of a cloth will sort most things out. And listener says, I've seen a couple of girl, five-year-old girls on an e-scooter coming home from school on the path of full speed dangerous. Books. Uh, you want to recommend some books for Christmas. I do indeed. I think it's everybody's favourite thing. Uh, I hope it's still, and I've, I heard recently, Matt, apparently that the book is making a big comeback. I think it was Ryan Tuberty was saying that uh, the, the book, the physical book, is making a comeback. Yeah, book sales, unfortunately, are down significantly this oh, year I'm, as it happens. But I'm, anyway. I'm sorry to hear that. So, OK, I've just decided to keep it, Matt, to five books that, that I, I read and would strongly recommend this year. Uh, again, within our, within our, our, our eco theme, the first one and, and definitely the, the, the most important uh, book in environment ecology terms this year uh, was the eponymous, the climate book. And this was uh, edited uh, and collated by Greta Thunberg, whom I'm sure everybody knows. She basically brought together over a 100 scientists from across different disciplines, from climate science, from, from the social sciences, from economics and so on. And it is an astonishing achievement. I can honestly, I've read dozens of books around climate environment. And yet, on almost every page in this, I was learning things. So whether you're basically coming at this topic new you, you, by the time you're finished, you'll, you'll be you'll 
practically be a pro. And if you've been at this a long time, you'll still, you're going to learn from it. So it's an, it's an unusually well done. Okay. Okay. What else do you okay. have? Okay. The, the second one is an Irish one. It's a book called An Irish Rainforest by Owen Dalton. Uh, this was published a couple of months back. And it basically it tells the story of Owen's uh, redevelopment, if you like, of a, of a plot of land down in the Bear Peninsula. And the interesting thing about it, Matt, is that the native condition for, 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 for forestry in Ireland, or for Ireland itself, in fact, is to be uh, rainforest. So that was what he's explored. And anyone, you'll really, really enjoy it. It's, it's a lovely read. Yeah. What else do you have? Yeah, next up is the, the, the English journalist uh, George Monbiot. He wrote a very provocative book this year called Regenesis. And essentially he's talking, I guess, principally about the, the massive environmental impacts of uh, particularly livestock agriculture, a favourite sub- subject here on the show. And uh, with some fairly radical proposals that George is putting forward as to how we can basically uh, have our planet without eating it. That's if the simplest way of putting it. Uh, the, the next one, a similar theme uh, from another Guardian journalist, in fact, is called The Insect Crisis. This came out earlier this year. And this basically, I suppose, collates and, and documents really the, the incredible global decline in insect populations. And this is happening, Matt, everywhere in, in every country. And the journalist in question is uh, called Oliver Millman. And uh, it's, it's, if you want to understand what's happening at the, what they call the, the, small, the small creatures that rule the world or that run the world, this is a really good place to start. And finally, uh, it's a little bit, uh, it's more of a, a classic, really. And this is Rachel Carson's Silent Spring. It, this year was the 60th anniversary of the publication of what is considered to be probably the foundation text. This is the book that, that back in 1962 effectively launched the global environmental movement. So they would be my top five. Will you tweet those, that list? Yes. Tag me and I will retweet it because there's some people already texting and wanting the details. Absolutely. Of so we yeah. have that list and we'll see you again next Thursday for our final last word on the environment of 2022. Thank you very much, John Gibbons. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.